The Productive Woman, Episode 209. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. I am so glad you've joined me today. In this episode, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with award-winning author, transformational speaker, and media personality, Patrice Washington. You'll find more information about Patrice, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 209. This episode is brought to you by Backblaze and Text Expander. Text Expander, of course, is a productivity tool that I use many times a day. And be sure to visit textexpander.com slash podcast to get 20% off your first year of using Text Expander. Be sure to choose the productive woman in their How Did You Hear About Us drop down question. And I'll talk a little bit more about Text Expander later. But right now, I want to share with you a new sponsor for the productive woman, Backblaze. Backblaze is a pioneer in robust, scalable, low cost cloud backup and storage services. Uh, and you have heard me talk about Backblaze before because I have been using it for many years to back up my computers so that I don't have to worry about lost data if I have a hard drive crash or a computer is damaged or stolen. Really, using something like Backblaze, you never need to lose a file again. They offer unlimited data in your backup, unlimited bandwidth, unlimited file size, and you can download a free restore or have a USB hard drive or USB key FedExed to you with if you ever need to restore the data because you've lost a hard drive or something. So again, it's it's a backup service for your computer and it only costs $5 a month to have that security and peace of mind that you're never going to lose the data on your computers. It works for Macs and PCs. It backs up documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, everything on your computer. And you can access all that data anywhere in the world on the web or on the go on your phone through their app. So you can use Backblaze to restore just one file or all your files in in whatever way works best for you. Backblaze has over 600 petabytes, which I don't even know what that means, but it's a lot of data under their management. And they've been able to restore over 30 billion files. So that's a lot of returned and restored documents and memories. Backblaze is gimmick-free. There's no additional charges. It's just $5 a month for full backups of your computer, including any connected external hard drives. So I can't recommend enough Backblaze as a service that you should have. You should always have a backup in place for your computers. And I've used Backblaze for years and love it. So be sure to visit backblaze.com slash TPW. That's TPW for the productive woman, backblaze.com slash TPW. So they know where you came from and will continue to support the show. And you can receive a fully featured 15 day free trial at backblaze.com slash TPW. Go there, play with it, start protecting yourself from loss of data. Do it today. Backblaze. I am delighted to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Patrice Washington. Patrice is an author, a speaker, a coach, and a media personality. She's also a wife and a mom and just a busy woman like a lot of the rest of us. And I have really been looking forward to talking with her about how she is making a life that matters. So welcome, Patrice. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this too. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it for for the benefit of the listeners. Patrice and I met at a podcasting conference earlier this summer, and she was one of the presenters there. And I just was so impressed and moved by uh, the things she had to say that I thought, you know what, I need to see if we can get her to come and talk to the the productive woman community about some of those things. So I've uh, I've been looking forward to it ever since. (laughs) 
Well, that was a great conference and it was an incredible opportunity to come just a year after starting my own podcast, barely a year, and share some wisdom um, with fellow podcasters. So I'm so glad that it was well received and that it was good enough for you to invite me on your phenomenal show. So I'm (laughs) excited. <laughs> well, I, I shared just a little bit about some of the many things that you have going on. But um, if you don't mind, maybe you could tell us a little bit more, give us a little more color on who you are, where you are, what you do, you know, whatever you think is important as we get into this conversation. Well, I've been known professionally for about nine years now as America's Money Maven. So I'm technically known as a personal finance expert. That's what all my books and the media stuff is all about. But a few years ago, I really was challenged because I became a personal finance expert. Yes, I have the textbook knowledge, Laura, but also out of my personal testimony of just losing everything in the recession and having to start over from scratch. Uh, I went from a seven-figure business that I built out of college to losing it all and scraping up change uh, at one point during the recession and sleeping on my brother's couch in Atlanta. And so my heart, while I was always passionate about financial education um, from the time I was like 19, 20 years old, going through that experience really gave me compassion for people on a different level. And so for the last several years, I've just really lived my life with this mission of sharing my own uh, trials and triumphs and helping restore hope for other people who have been through financial ruin and just reminding people that they can rebuild and rebound from that. And so I've made that my life's mission. Uh, And as a podcaster, that has turned into Redefining Wealth, which is where I really teach people that rebuilding my life has been not so much about the money and material possessions. I've really been focused on well-being. Mm. And I'm so glad to have an opportunity to be on a platform like this where we can, you know, people always want to jump into the skill set stuff. But I'm like, there's a lot of mindset things we have to deal with. And there's a lot of behaviors and practices on a daily basis that have helped me become who people know as America's money maven. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, mindset matters in every area of our life and, and money, not the least of those. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we will be sure and put links to various things in the show notes for this episode. But uh, just to make sure we get it out there now, what what's the name of your podcast again? It's called the Redefining Wealth Podcast. Okay. And folks can find it at my website, patricewashington.com. Okay, great. And we'll talk a, a little bit more about that as we go along. I, you know, obviously, this is this podcast is The Productive Woman. It's about productivity. And as m- listeners know, when we talk about productivity on this show, it's not just about checking things off a to-do list. It's about finding ways to order our lives in such a way that we can maximize our positive impact on the world around us. So it's it's all about making a life that matters. And you obviously, you've already alluded to the fact that part of what is making a life that matters for you is this mission that you've, you've kind of gone on as a result of both your training and your experiences. You have a lot of things that you're doing, a lot of hats you wear, balls you're juggling, all those various analogies that we talk about. And I'd love to talk about how you managed to do that and some of the, the nitty gritty of, of how you get the things done that matter most to you. But as a, uh, some context for that. I think it's always helpful to have some context for the kinds of things a person does to stay productive. And that context is kind of what your life is like. So maybe we could start out with um, if there is such a thing as a typical day for you, what might that look like? Well, at Redefining Wealth, what I teach people are these six pillars um, that I have base my life on. And they include fit and faith and space and work and money and people. And so on my calendar, Lord, it's actually broken down into that. So I start the day with what I call my faith pillar and on my calendar and with my reminders, it literally says faith and it says pray, meditate and journal. And that's how I start my day. You typically between 515 and 545, I'm already in praying and journaling mode um, or meditation. And then I go into fit, which is my workout time. 
And ironically, as we're doing this interview, my husband and I just started this six week boot camp, Laura, and I have no idea what I have signed myself up for. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's a hardcore boot camp that does a lot of hit training, and I have to now work out twice a day, which is really, you know, it was. Like making sure that I committed to that, even though it's something that has become a ritual and a habit, there's still those days when you're just a bit more tired than you normally are, or you stayed up a little later. And so now it's um, faith at around five o'clock, fit at around six. People is usually after the boot camp. my husband and I will sit down and have breakfast together and go through the day. What are you up to? Um, so people is all about cre- creating relationships that matter. And that's obviously one of the greatest relationships in my life. Um, It's also around the time that we get our daughter off to school, whether we take her or another carpool mom picks her up. Um, And then the workday begins. And so my day for work really starts around 930, 10 o'clock in the morning. But I've learned that I have to even put in fit again to remind myself to eat Mm. (laughs) because I'm one of those people, you know, like many women who are wearing all these hats, we're just trying to check things off the list. And so I realized that I wasn't eating enough to keep up with the workout, you know, the workouts that I'm doing. And so now I have a reminder around 1230 in the afternoon, there's another fit reminder that just says, eat a big, healthy lunch. Mm. And I've blocked off time to do that. And then around 130, I go back in uh, to the work mode and I have each one of the things that I need to do for the day. I have things that are blocked off on the calendar for each task that I have to do under work or if it's something financially related, it may say money. And then at the end of the day, I'm back into people mode where I pick up my daughter and I literally have people be present with Reagan. And that was because I realized that I would still be in work mode when I would pick her up some days. And you know how little kids are. She's 11 years old and she wants to tell me all the sixth grade gossip. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, she wants to be able to say, mommy, you won't believe who did what. And I didn't want to be in that mode anymore. And I've been there where I'm listening, but I'm not listening. I'm present, but I'm not present. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even on my reminders, I have time blocked in to unwind between work and picking her up. So I have 30 minutes to myself to get ready for these stories when she gets in the car. And then I have another fit reminder in the evening to go back and now do this second workout that I'm doing for this six week boot camp. And then people again is dinner time with the family. But I'm very intentional about using the pillars to kind of guide my day. And then there's space, which is on the calendar um, just twice a week when we have support. It's my reminder that I have a housekeeper coming because I also realized that I was not great at juggling all of those things at all. And so I had to give my per- myself permission to delegate some of the things um, that I could delegate, like cleaning up the space or grocery shopping so that I was more intentional about my fitness and my faith and my people and work time. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that we have to give ourselves permission to to do that, to ask for or accept help in areas that I, I love that you've got those pillars that you are very intentional about kind of building your life around, but you don't have to do every one of the things uh, that, that I guess, build those pillars that, that it's, yeah, it's okay to have somebody else do some of that stuff. And you look at the, the things on your plate and say, what are the things here that only I can do? Nobody, but you can mother your child. That's right. That's right. And that was a hard awakening for me. I have to tell you, when we lost everything in 2008, this whole journey to rebuilding our lives, there's certain things that my husband and I would say, like, I can't wait, you know, to get support with this. My husband's thing was, I can't wait to be able to get a driver, you know, because he would have a long commute and he wanted support with that. And he's like, I can't wait to do this. We couldn't wait to have support for our daughter in terms of a nanny. And I realized really quickly, this is around 2014, I came home from a book tour and I did 12 cities back to back. And so I was in and out and I was in the kitchen talking to my daughter and she called me Miss Angela three different times. And Miss Angela was the nanny. And I kept going, Reagan, it's mommy. And she's like, right, right. Okay. So, and she's telling me the story and then she's like, and Miss Angela. And that was when it really went off for me that I could delegate some things like laundry, 
but I cannot delegate that one-on-one and personal time with my daughter. That's just not, that's not acceptable for me. And I can't delegate being a wife to my husband, Right. you know? And I do, even in my work, there are parts of my work, which I've learned through a lot of trial and error as an entrepreneur. There are things in my career that only I can do. Only I can get on the camera or only I can crack the mic, you know, for my podcast, but possibly writing up tweets, delegate that. (laughs) Doing some of the other things that are just not necessary. And it's been beautiful to hand things off. Once I gave myself permission, Laura, there was no turning back. I was handing off anything that did not require my genius. And I allowed someone else who is a genius at those things and who really enjoys doing those things to do them. Yeah. I mean, that's such a, a profound realization when you get to that point. And it's something that I have struggled with my entire professional career, even as a lawyer, it was, it has been hard for me to hand things off for my secretary to do because um, either a, there was this feeling of, uh, I'm the only one that can do this right. Or B, (laughs) I felt awkward asking somebody else to do work for me. You know what? I definitely, can attest to that as well. I've been there before and I suffered. I don't know about you, but I I I think it's the perfectionist in me. I really felt like people could not do anything as good as I could. Like I felt like with 80% of my effort, I could outdo someone who's at 150%. I don't, I don't know where I got that mentality. I think it's the competitive athletes in me from childhood that feels like I can outdo things. But or I'll do what other people could do. But I've really learned that 80-20 rule, which is that 20 percent of our activities actually lead to 80 percent of our results. Mm -hmm. And once someone introduced me to that concept and I was I looked at everything that I was doing, I realized that I was actually not helping my team support me by trying to take over things that really weren't creating the bigger results for the team. Yeah. Right. Cause it, it, I was getting in the way I was stopping people from using their brilliance and their genius. And they wanted to do it to support the greater good. Yeah. And the more I learned to get out of the way, I really believe that what I do is like ministry and it's not about me. And mm-hmm. the more I realize it's not about me, the more I kind of take off that, you know, that Cape that many of us wear as women that says you are the superhero, the superwoman, and you need to come in and save everyone. It's like, no, you need to be saved in some of these areas and accept it. And it's still a struggle at times, but the more I have done that, the better, you know, my business has grown, the more my business has grown or the more productive I feel as a woman. Yeah. And, and of course your life becomes more peaceful and, and, productive in all the best ways. Let's look at, uh, here's a question for you. I think every person's life is a little different, presents different challenges as far as staying productive and getting the things done that really matter to them. And you've described some of the things that you're doing, the way your day works. What would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing your life and the commitments you've made and the things that matter most to you? Well, one of my biggest challenges for years was the inability to say no Mm. quickly uh, and with just ease and grace. I was I'm a recovering people pleaser Mm. and really grew up that with this mindset that if someone asks, you do whatever it takes, you break your back if you have to, to support family and friends. And even if their lack of planning created the emergency. Yeah. And. The older I get and the wiser I become and the more things that I just become more passionate about and want to put my attention to, I've just learned that it's okay to remove myself from people, places, (laughs) commitments that no longer move me, Mm. that are just not in alignment with where I am because I found myself, Laura, not being cheerful about the giving, Mm. whether it was time or energy or resources. And if I'm going to be bitter about it, that's not the seed I want to like plant out in the world. That doesn't even represent who I am in my core. And so one of my challenges, really up until this year, like the last year or so, I've been more intentional about saying no or taking time 
to consider a request before immediately giving a yes. Yeah. Because I used to be sure I can do it. Sure. I can help you. Sure. And two seconds later in my head, I'm like, why would you say that? You know, you have another commitment (laughs) or you know that there's other things going on. Why would you say it? And so I've learned to go back to people and say, you know what? I actually took a look at my calendar and realized that I'm completely overcommitted. I don't know why I told you sure, but I'm not going to be able to do it. And I feel that as long as I stay in that mode and I'm, I'm learning, my prayer has been that I get to do that sooner, quicker, faster, Mm. that my recovery time is quicker. And so now I'm much more intentional about being complete with my no and not feeling guilty that I can't jump in and save the world when I have a, you know, a very, um, tight agenda, if you will, or daily, daily tasks myself. Like I can't do it. And that was my biggest, that was my biggest. It's been something that I have been working on intentionally for a couple years now. And I finally feel like I'm in a rhythm. And again, when I look at the time leaks, when I would look at why didn't I finish this task at the time that I wanted to, or what happened there, it was taking the random phone calls in the middle of the day. It was allowing people to come knock on my door and chit chat because all the neighbors know I work from home, (laughs) Mm. you know, it was, and and actually like, oh, you know, well, can I come in and like, can you chat now? And it's like, no, it's 947 in the morning. No, I can't chat right now. I'm working, (laughs) but learning how to say no and dealing with those distractions, the distractions of social media, the distractions of the pop-up phone calls, um, you know, the distractions of all the email notifications. In the last few years, I've just turned all notifications off. Yeah. And I've just made it a point that somewhere in my workday, two to three times a day, then I'll check social media. And even that is blocked for only 15, 20 minutes. I'll check or post something to social media if I need to, or I use, I like to engage with people. So I do try to block time to just you know, respond to comments really quickly or say thank you or acknowledge people for acknowledging my work. And then I check emails like three or four times a day at very set times. I don't check emails all day because as we know, when we do that, we allow other people to dictate what we get done in that day. And by the time my daughter gets out of school, I want to be present. Yeah. So I can't let other people hijack her time. You know, and that's such a great perspective to have on that. I love what you just said there, that that if you're letting other people take control of your day, they are hijacking that time later in the day with your daughter that, that you mean to be with her. And, and that's a great way to think of it when we are in the midst of our work day and there are lots of opportunities to be interrupted by the phone calls, the people stopping by our office door, whatever it is to, to have that perspective of, I, I need to stay on program during my workday so that when my workday ends, the time that I have committed to my, to my daughter, to my spouse, to whatever else is still there for them, undistracted and unhijacked, so to speak. It's made one of the biggest differences in the quality of the relationship I have with my daughter, because as I shared, you know, when I was on that book tour, I realized that I was just not present enough for her. And even when I was working from home, I thought that my physical presence represented being present Mm -hmm. and it did not. And she taught me that she's a very bold (laughs) and, and uh, boisterous and very, she's not afraid to say, this is how I'm feeling, or this is how, you know, what I'm perceiving from you when you do this or when you do that. And she let us know, both my husband and I, she did let us know. And now though, what I love is that we spend so much quality time that when it is time for me to go speak, she's like, bye mom, sell all your books, do great, be great. (laughs) She's almost like, I'm ready for my break from you. But that's good because she knows that the time is invested when we are together. And that was the most important thing for me. And I look at how many people I would bend over backwards for, Laura, to do things that I really didn't need to do or it wasn't important that I be involved. Those For those people, once I say that I can't do it or my priorities have shifted, the usual response is, okay, thanks for letting me know. Like we make up stories, I think, especially as women about how people will perceive us, you know, not coming, not supporting, not attending that event, 
you know, not showing up for things that are not necessarily as important to us. And we make up these stories about what they'll think about us. But most people, from my experience, are like, oh, okay, well, thanks for letting me know or enjoy your time with your daughter or, you know, have fun with your husband. It's usually not that big a deal. But for my family, like it's it is a big deal. It is a big deal that I'm at her first volleyball game. It is a big deal that I'm at my husband's speaking engagements. It is a big those are a big deal. But to other people, you're a commodity. They just need a body. They just need a driver. You know, they just, you know, when I think about really anyone with a driver's license can do this. Anyone you know, who can read can do this. I, I'm, you would like me, but I'm really not that important or special for what you're requesting. But for my husband and my daughter, I'm their everything. Yeah. You really are irreplaceable in that. And that and then the, that's not to say that we as moms can't have, as, as you, you're phrasing it, support, whether it's a nanny or a housekeeper or whatever. We're not falling down on the job if we have help. It, the, the point I think I'm hearing you say is that when you have that time with your spouse, with your children, with whoever it is that's important to you, that you're actually there both not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, in every way, you're actually there because you've ordered everything else in your life to make that space for this thing, because it's important to you. And it's important to them. Right. And, you know, again, there are just certain tasks that are easy enough for other people to do. And to me, it's worth the investment. I don't consider that wasting money. And I've heard it. I think the reason that we feel like we have to give ourselves permission to get support, especially domestically, is because depending on the type of background you come from, I know my grandmother, God bless her soul, would literally say that things like that were a waste of money. Mm -hmm. Why would you pay someone to clean when you know how to clean? I taught you how to get on your knees and scrub floors. Well, grandma, (laughs) that I really could be doing something else with that time now. And I was you know, 10 and you made me scrub floors. It's different, but I can be doing something else with that time. And I had to get through what would have been acceptable, you know, in generations past or for my mom or my grandma or my aunts, or just even some peers who have an opinion about, you know, well, you only have one child. So why would you need help with that? Like, wow. So you're child number shaming. (laughs) (laughs) I think that God gives you what you can handle. Hello. And I got my one because that's what I can handle. And I feel like as women, as much as we may be called to be mothers or spouses, we still also all have an individual call and purpose on our lives. And I shouldn't have to, you know, trade in that call, the call of being the money maven, because people think I should be scrubbing my own floors. Yeah. Like, I'm not, no, I'm supposed to be blessing people with my message. And that's what I do. And that's that thing that, again, only I can do. Lots of people speak on finance, but there's people who are only going to receive it from me. And if I'm wasting time, you know, doing some of the things that don't necessarily feel good for me, or I just don't think that they're the best use of my time during the day, then it takes time away from those people who may not be sleeping at night because they're waiting to hear a message from someone who just gives them hope. Yeah. For me, that's where I'm supposed to invest my time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that. On a on a um, practical level, just in terms of you, you've talked about your calendar and, and the way you mark things up. What are, are there any particular tools that you like or resources you recommend for managing all these things? We've talked a lot about the mindset stuff, which I think is very important, but just out of curiosity, what, what tools do you, what is your calendar, a paper calendar, electronic? What do you use there? So I use my Google calendar because I love the color blocking. Uh, I, I know it just makes me excited. Like I'm actually doing something <laughs> that's a mental thing, but my actual to-do list, I break down. So every week I think about on Sunday evenings, usually Saturday or Sunday, I go, what's important now? And that's me just kind of setting myself up for what's important now to me is an acronym for win. And if I want to win this week, what's important now? And then I write down, I'm still old school. I don't know how everyone keeps all this stuff electronically, God bless them. But my brain 
almost doesn't remember the things that I type as well. When I write it down, it's real for me. And so I have a journal, two types of journals. One is like my prayer journal, but then I have a work journal where every week I go through what's important now. And then I write the due dates by each thing. And I separate it out by kind of pillars, if you will, or, or, um, category. So I'll put podcasts and I'll put all the things I know I need to do for the podcast this week. Not the routine weekly things, but who I'm interviewing as a reminder. So if I need to research, I remind myself of that. Or if I wanted to do something special or tweak something or change something, then I'll remind myself of those things. But I'll do podcasts. I have a section for videos. Uh, I have a section for real estate. I'm also a real estate investor. You know, I have a section for everything that's kind of work related and the things that I want to see accomplished that week. And I use that in conjunction with my calendar. So I have big things I want to accomplish for the week, but those might include four or five smaller steps. And the smaller steps are what I actually place on the calendar under work. Mm, Okay. And, but I lay it out in just a journal. I'm just the old school pen and paper girl. Well, there's something about about pen and paper that that you're, you're not the only one that uh, it connects better, or it sticks better. There's research that shows that just like taking notes in class or at a speech or something, we will retain more of it if we're taking notes by hand than we will if we're typing them. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uses a different another, part of the brain. <laughs> another tool that I like if I'm in the midst of a project that has a lot of to-do lists Uh, It's back to the old school, but it's the big yellow stickies, Mm. those big yellow post-its that you can just stick up on the wall Mm -hmm. and they have the lines. I am a sucker for it. I get excited to get my Sharpie out and make my own little check boxes and just (laughs) make the complete to-do list of everything that I need to do for that project. And I also love hanging those up. My husband hates it. He's like, the wall is junky, but I'm productive. So what are you worried about? (laughs) (laughs) But I also like that. I'm, I'm just a very visual person, very visual. And another tool that I use at the beginning of the year, I do vision boards sometimes now. I used to do them quite a bit since third grade, actually. I was into vision boards before The Secret and before it was a thing. But now what I do is in the beginning of that same journal that I told you about, I have like mini vision boards. They're broken down by the pillars. And so I have my annual goals there as well. And I always try to refer back to these pages where I might have my fit pillar goals and it talks about drinking water and, you know, um, being toned and lean. And I have these different different uh affirmations, if you will, around fitness, around me becoming my best self. But I always check back and check in with the beginning of the journal at least once or twice a month because I want to make sure that what's on my calendar and what I'm writing out as a to-do list for the week always lines back up with what I said my goals are for the year. And that was the other reason I just made a decision that I couldn't allow other people to hijack my time. Because in years past, I have looked up And I've done a lot of things and I've been extremely busy, but not necessarily productive towards the things that I said mattered to me. Mm. And so I love that as a tool because people think of of vision boards as woo woo. And, you know, people I don't know why some folks think if they put something on the vision board, it's going to magically appear. But (laughs) I use those things to remind me of the action steps I need to be taking. And if I check in with my to-do list for a few weeks and what's on my calendar. And I look back at those goals and I've made no progress. It tells me it's time to adjust. You've been putting time in into maybe not the best things for you. And I'm flexible. I'm committed to the vision. I'm not attached to how I get there. Mm-hmm. But if there's something that I really say I want, am I just saying it or is it being reflected in what I'm doing every day? Yeah, that that is so important. You know, I've, I've heard it said before, and I think it's so true that whatever we may say matters to us, our calendar and our checkbook tell the truth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and speaking of the checkbook, I I feel like I can't let you get away without talking a little bit about the thing that you are expert in. And we've talked a little bit about it early on. I mean, you your mission, your, you know, primary 
uh, message is about money and about um, financial kinds of things. And so uh, I, I will certainly encourage listeners to check out your podcast. I'll be sure and put a link to it in the show notes to hear more about the kinds of things you say. But if you were in a hotel and you got in the elevator on the, you know, seventh floor to go down to the lobby to to go off for the whatever you're going to do that day. And there's a, a woman in the elevator with you who you, you chat a little bit for some reason. And, and she finds out what you do. And she says, what would you say is the most important thing I should know about money? Okay, I'm put, kind of putting you on the spot here, but you got a couple <laughs> couple minutes. What would you say to that woman? I would say the most important thing you should know is that money and wealth building is less about money than you think. It's more about you and your mindset towards money. And I I will tell her, you probably don't have the challenges with money you think you have because you know all the basics. You know that you shouldn't spend more than you earn. You know that you should save every dime on a dollar. You know because your granny or your big mama back in the day told you don't put all your eggs in one basket. The problem is your mind may be so cluttered by all the other areas in life where you're unfulfilled that you can't take simple advice. Mm -hmm. And if you did the work to unclutter physically, emotionally, mentally, you would have the clarity you need to make the decisions you want to make about your finances. But you are completely capable. There's no such thing as a man is better at this than we are. Statistics say over and over again, we're actually far better at managing our money than men because we have a lot more patience in general um, and the ability to not have delusions of grandeur like many men do. <laughs> and, um, and so as a woman, we have everything that it takes, but we also have a lot of false uh, perceptions that we got from childhood. And I would say work on on acknowledging those because we can't recondition what we don't first recognize. And if there's anything that you've ever heard about money that was completely unsupportive, especially to you as a woman, then start taking a look at that. Look at what your parents said, what they did. Usually the people you know who raise us, who rear us in childhood are the ones where we get a lot of these cues from. And it's okay. The best thing about childhood is that it's over. So we don't have to hold them. We don't have to hold them responsible and accountable because we're adults now. But we do have to go, you know what? Mom was great, but that behavior that she modeled with credit cards wasn't the best. And because of that, I find myself in the same pattern. But now that I recognize that that's where I got it from, that's where it comes from, then when I get the impulse to use this credit card, I can go, hey, is this the nine-year-old version of you? Is this the 1983 version of you running the show? Or do you want to be present and be the best adult 2018 version of yourself and say, you know what? Using this credit card when I know I already have debt does not serve me. Hmm. And that is literally the conversation that I do have with people randomly um, that I meet, whether it's on an airplane or sitting in the airport or chatting at Starbucks is that you don't have the issues with money you think you have. You have a lot of mindset work and a lot of unsupportive traditions, perceptions, behaviors that you've picked up. And if you start to untie those one by one, you'll find that actually money will flow to you because you'll be in a better space to make wiser decisions. I love that. That I mean, there's so much there. We could go on for probably another hour or however <laughs> many hours of time you put into your podcast. So again, I encourage folks to check out Patrice's podcast. And uh, you've written books about this, haven't you? I have. I wrote a whole series, the Real Money Answer series for women, men, and for young adults. Yeah. So we'll put links to those things in the show notes. I encourage folks to check that check that out as as I will be, because even at my stage of life as a um, as they say, a, a woman of a certain age, there are things <laughs> I can learn about uh, m- money and my mindset toward it. Well, Patrice, this is great. You've given us a lot of ideas, a lot of uh, things to think about. You've shared with us the sorts of things you have going on in your life and the systems and tools you have in place to manage all of that so that you can get the things done you care about and make a life that matters as you define it. But Mm -hmm. even with all those systems and all that intentionality and all the things that you've done, I have to ask because I ask every guest, even with all of that, 
do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? Oh gosh, is there a week that goes by, Laura, that I don't have one of those days? I probably feel that way at least once a week. Honestly, there's that one week where there's just so many, life happens, right? Like there's so many variables here that are out of your control. And I told you before we started recording, I have three children, my husband, my 11-year-old daughter, and my dog, Chloe, who seems to have a fetish for pennies on the ground that she likes to swallow. So that will, <laughs> she's caused emergency <laughs> vet visits and all kinds of things. So life happens, and I've learned to show myself grace in the process. I have really learned to start projects earlier than they're due. So that when life happens, I'm not up against this, like, oh my gosh, it was, it's due in two minutes and I'm just now working on it. So luckily that usually creates a buffer of some kind, but there have been days, Laura, and I mean, probably three or four days I can think of this year for sure, where around three or four o'clock, I literally have told my husband and my family, my grace for this day has run out (laughs) from a bad hair moment to traffic, getting home from the gym to one thing after another, where I barely could just squeeze out the things that mattered most. And I have a reminder on my phone at 8 a.m. every day. It says what matters most today. And if I can just get to the things that matter most, especially those things that impact other people where other people are waiting for me to complete something so they can do what they need to do. That might be two or three things one day. And I say, you know what? My grace has run out and I'm going to take a nap. And if that nap turns into a full blown sleep and I am now up at three o'clock in the morning, like (laughs) like the crazy person walking around the house, I'm actually okay with that too. Mm -hmm. So that I've just learned to show myself grace because none of us are perfect. Yeah. Nobody is perfect. And we all have bad days. And I've even given my daughter permission. Some days she's, she's chatty Kathy, but there are some days that she comes home and she wasn't happy about how practice went, or she's just plain tired. And she's like, mom, you know what? I just, and I'm like, you don't, you don't even have to say it. You have the right to be by yourself and have a quiet moment or take a nap or do whatever you need to do to feel better. And I'm teaching her that now so that as she grows as a woman and has these other hats and responsibilities, like we all do, that she's already accustomed to showing herself some level of grace because I was raised to push forward no matter what. Um, And so there's benefits to that, but there's a lot of downside, which contributed to this superwoman syndrome where I suffered in silence. Um, Even after having my daughter, I didn't know I had postpartum depression and I suffered in silence because I didn't think it was okay to say, I don't feel good. I don't, I'm not, I'm not feeling my best or maybe I should take a nap or, you know, but because I was saying yes to everyone about everything you know, I just kept running myself into exhaustion. Yeah. And I want my daughter to have an example that of, a, of a, a real woman who's productive, but who's also prepared to give herself grace. I love that. That is so, so, uh, so well said and so very consistent with the theme of this entire podcast. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Patrice, what is on the horizon for you? What's coming up that you're excited about either professionally, personally, in whatever way? I am really excited about bringing the podcast community that I have to life. When I started the Redefining Wealth podcast, I had this vision to first really create great content for the first year and kind of prove the concept. Like, is this something that people can receive from me even though it's beyond the scope of being a personal finance expert. And going into my second year, what I'm really excited about is building community. I get so many DMs and messages from women who are taking back control of their health goals or finally clearing out that clutter in the garage or in the closet and they're feeling clarity and peace or people who are investing in better relationships. And I hear all of these great testimonials or responses, but I'm like, how encouraging would it be to bring these people together so that, you know, looking at another woman or another person who has shared a similar struggle and they have been working through it and they're getting on the other side of it, I think is so much more impactful than, 
you know, us who are always behind the mic being the guru, if you will. And I really want to bring together community. So I'm looking forward to next year having my first conference Mm -hmm. and doing some live podcast, you know, tapings around the country. I'm always going somewhere to speak for other people. I'm like, you know what, while I'm there, I'm going to start having groups of my community come out and let's do a podcast taping together and I hope I hope to leave three or four accountability partners in place as I leave a city that people actually have someone that they can touch and talk to and feel and network with. And that's really my heart is to see the faces of all these people that I get to connect with through the podcast and on social media. So I'm excited about having community, especially as someone who works from home by themselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Boy, I know how that feels. Well, definitely when you, uh, when you're ready to launch the, uh, the conference you mentioned, let me know so I can share that with the, the productive woman community, because I'm guessing I, I, it sounds like something I'd be interested in. And I think many of them will as well. I, I will definitely do that. And thank you so much. So, so Patrice, where can p- people connect with you online? If they want to hear more about what you're doing, find more of your stuff, uh, wh- where's the best way for them to do that? So the best place to hear all about what I'm doing as, is at patricewashington.com. And I'm really active on Twitter and Instagram for any of my social media friends. I'm Seek Wisdom PCW. That's Seek Wisdom PCW. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But if you really want to reply, Instagram. <laughs> okay, perfect. And I'll make sure we put links for all of those things in the show notes. So this has been great. You, you've given uh, so many encouraging thoughts here. Let me ask you for just a little bit more. Do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for help in, in getting things done and making a life that matters? What, what would you say to her or him? I would say in order to make a life that matters, you first have to really define what matters to you. If you like, I think that so many of us allow society and our family and our friends to dictate our days and dictate what job we take, where we live, what we drive. And if you just took a moment each day to just be still and silent and check in with is everything that I'm up to, does it really matter to me? Or am I only doing it to appease the request of someone else? And I think every time you ask yourself that question, you'll find a place somewhere in your life where you are doing something, not because it's in complete alignment with what makes you happy and gives you joy. Mm-hmm. And in order to define a life that matters, you have to constantly check in with that. And that's something that I'm committed to. And I hope that you'll join me in just asking yourself, it's okay to be still. It's okay to be quiet. And it's okay to have that moment of self-reflection each day. I love that. Thank you. I couldn't, couldn't say it better myself. Thank you for sharing all this and for taking the time to talk with me today, Patrice. Oh, thank you so much. I've enjoyed the conversation. I so enjoyed talking with Patrice and hearing about her life and the the things that she's done, the perspective that she's developed over the years. I am so grateful to her for taking the time to share with us her thoughts on how she manages her life for her great suggestions and the encouraging words she offered for the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions for Patrice or for me about the things we talked about today? I would love to hear from you and I know she would too. You can share your questions or thoughts about this episode in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 209. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page or in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group if you're a member there. If you want to share your thoughts about this episode or anything else for that matter with me privately, you can email questions, comments, suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, Oh, I wanted to make sure I reminded you about our other sponsor for this episode, Text Expander, the productivity tool that helps you communicate smarter. It allows you to create snippets for things that you type or copy and paste all the time. So anything that you find yourself typing or copying and pasting over and over again, you create a snippet for it. 
uh, things like email addresses, website addresses, the date, uh, long, all the way to long formatted blocks of text, anything that you, words that you always mistype, you can create a snippet that will correct it for you. So again, you create these snippets for anything that you use regularly on your computer or on your smart device, um, directions to your house or your office, proposals, anything like that. And then you create just a, what they call a, a snippet for it or a, an abbreviation. So just a few characters will call that up in whatever app you're using on your Mac, your Windows-based device, your iPhone, your iPad, and it fills it all in for you just automatically. Saves you tons of time. I, It's one of the first apps that I put on any computer or device that I get because I can't function without it. It's just that useful, just that helpful, and saves me so much time. To find out more about it, visit textexpander.com slash podcast and check it out. They have some video tutorials that you can do there. And if you go there using that link, textexpander.com slash podcast, you'll get 20% off your first year of Text Expander. Be sure you choose the productive woman in their How Did You Hear About Us drop-down question so that they know I sent you and they'll continue to support us. So love Text Expander, can't do without it. I encourage you to try it if you haven't already. And same time, don't forget to protect your data on your computers. Check out Backblaze and get that fully featured 15-day free trial at backblaze.com slash tpw. And thank you so much to Tex Expander and Backblaze for supporting the productive woman and to, for helping me be productive for many years now. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Patrice. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you found something in it that's helpful or encouraging to you. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.